It said there are two things certain in our lives, death and taxes. Today, we're going to discuss just one of those, and it doesn't include the Grim Reaper, but it's still a little grim. We've invited Andrew Gordon, a lawyer and a CPA, to the show to discuss taxes in the crypto world. As we aren't legal or financial advisors, we don't really know how this stuff works, but Andrew says he knows. So you might want to give a listen so you're equipped to manage your crypto gains or losses appropriately. Let me tell you how it will be. There's one for you, 19 for me, because I'm the tax man. Yeah, I'm the tax man. Once again, the Beatles making an appearance because it's episode number 161 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, two, ignition. Who's bad? Hey, Mr. Joel Kahn, uh should 5% appear too small, be thankful I don't take it all. Because mm, you're the tax man. Yeah. yeah, actually, back in the day, in the Beatles, when they lived in uh, when they lived in the UK, there was a ninety five percent tax on all their Beatles earnings. So no wonder they all moved to different countries. Oh my gosh, that is so crazy. So yeah, uh, yeah. bad crypto podcast right here in the Hizzle with Damn Dizzle it, Mr. Wilson and Mr. Heath <laughs> and Dizzles. Yeah, I think uh, didn't Maggie lower the taxes then? Margaret Thatcher wasn't mm-hmm. she the one that uh, helped make Britain great again? I guess so. I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not big up on the uh, British politics. I just know you can't say rude things when you're when you're in the, the UK anymore. They'll arrest you. That's hate speech, right there, Travis. I know it's hate speech. That's why I like to put my VPN in England and just say rude. <laughs> what are they going to do? Come to Kansas City and get me? <laughs> and that's I'm pretty why... sure I might be banned from coming to the UK anymore, though. Right. It's- it's not that chap, Travis Wright. He's a rude American. He's such a wanker. <laughs> it is bad, and it is crypto. It is a podcast. We're here for episode number 161, and uh, let's give a shout-out to New Alchemy, our sponsor. We appreciate them, and hopefully you've had a chance to visit their website. They're the guys that know blockchain stuff. So if you need marketing experts, event producers, community managers, uh, they're good at activating conferences. They can build community. They can handle your ICO. They know things. And you should go check them out because they're at newalchemy.io, N-E-W-A-L-C-H-E-M-Y-Y, because we like them and we're grateful that they sponsor the show. So uh, we would be grateful if you would go check them out, newalchemy.io. Yeah, seriously, if you're thinking about doing an ICO or a, a security token offering, at least have a conversation with them. They'll give you some good advice. Maybe even two conversations or three. Maybe so. Maybe so. And Maybe. speaking of speaking of great advice, I mean, our guest today, Andrew Gordon. I mean, I think we should just get right into this because he really sort of changed the thoughts on how some of this stuff works. And this guy is pretty up to speed on this. Not only is he the managing attorney of the Gordon Law Group, but I mean, he is a he's a CPA and an attorney. Like that's a lot. Yeah, and I can't tell you how many times did he say during this interview, you're not going to like this, but. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. So here comes some uh, some good, bad medicine. You're not going to like this. You're not going to yeah, like it. Yeah, you're not going to like it, but you should listen. Here we go. Hey, Travis, how many lawyer jokes are there? 
How many lawyer jokes are there? Yeah. I don't know. How many lawyers are there? Well, you know, the, the thing is, there's only three lawyer jokes. The rest are true stories. Oh, they are. Oh, snap. Oh. Uh, <laughs> just trying to get you guys in the mood because we have a lawyer in the house today, and I'm hoping he has a, a really good sense of humor. I have a feeling he does, and he's probably heard them all. His name is Andrew Gordon. He is the managing attorney of Gordon Law Group, and not only does he uh, practice uh, as an attorney, but he's also a CPA with a master's degree from the University of Illinois, which is also where I went to school, and uh, he is really focusing on crypto right now. There's so many questions surrounding taxes and compliance and, and all all this stuff, and, and we're going to try and get some answers here today. So, uh, Andrew, welcome to Bad Crypto. Well, thank you very much for having me. Very excited to be here. Did you uh, go to U of I in Champaign or in Chicago? Yeah, in Champaign. Oh, well, uh, class of 1986 right here. Oh, very cool. Um, yeah, it was a couple years after that, but uh, yeah, it was a great time. He's saying a couple is probably like a decade <laughs> or so. He just didn't want to drag out the old people jokes. Yeah, a decade or so. <laughs> yeah, he didn't, he didn't want you to bust out old old people joke. That's true, Mister Joe. So, so not only are do you have a law firm and do a CPA, you also practice safe crypto. I do. That's great. And so, I've, I actually found you on uh, Facebook. You were, you know, you're in some groups talking about some things, and I'm like, oh, great. Um, someone who understands taxes, somebody who understands the law, somebody who understands crypto. Let's get Andrew on the show. So, thanks for coming on. Yeah, definitely. So I guess let me ask you this then. I mean, it's a conf it's a confusing world uh, out there with uh, with cryptos and and taxes and whatnot. And so you know, what are some maybe some 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 tips that everyone who is here trading and in, in, in 2018? What are some things that people need to know as 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 we prepare for our taxes this next year? Sure. So um, a lot of people like to think that taxes with respect to crypto is a, a gray area or that there's a lot that's undecided or even worse, the, the notion that because it's uh, decentralized or uh, anonymous that the IRS won't know. Well, unfortunately, you still have to file and uh, pay taxes on uh, your crypto transactions. And one of the biggest uh, misconceptions that people have is the thought also that when they go from one cryptocurrency to another, for example, uh, you buy Bitcoin and then you convert that Bitcoin to Ethereum. That's actually a taxable transaction. So when you trade cryptos or go from one to another, um, it's the same as if you sold that first crypto for cash and then use that cash to buy the second. And I bring this up because it's important to recognize this because as you're trading, you're going to have certain tax effects. Um, and in 2017, as the price of crypto was skyrocketing, a lot of people were trading all the way up, going in and out of different currencies, not necessarily going to cash, but just trading uh, all the way up uh, through the end of the year. Um, and now they've got significant tax bills, but the price of crypto is half or even less, even uh, closer to a third. So even if you don't convert to cash, there can still be tax effects. And I think that's probably one of the biggest misconceptions out there. How, how do you uh, like track all this though, especially, you know, there's a lot of people that use exchanges that there's not really good records, you know, it could be Ether Delta or, or IDEX or some of these others. How, how can, and, and you put in a trade and a little, you know, a few coins might go at this price and then a few at this price. How, how is anybody expected to really keep up and manage this? Sure. So the uh, answer that people hate to hear 
is that as taxpayers, as, as U.S. persons, I guess I'm specifically talking about uh, people in the U.S., uh, permanent residents and citizens, you have an obligation to keep track of all of your records. Um, and this obligation exists in many other countries as well. So it's not necessarily just a U.S. Uh, type requirement, but other countries as well. And so the individuals, the obligations on them to be able to have all the records and if the IRS audited you, be able to prove everything on your tax return, not the other way around. It's not that the IRS has to prove what your trades were. No, no, you've got to show them uh, each of your trades. So the question is a good one. How do you keep track of all this? How do you keep records? Unfortunately, you just need to. And so if you use exchanges like Ether Delta or decentralized exchanges that don't necessarily have records, keep an Excel spreadsheet. And then the question becomes, well, how do I track it? If I went from one Bitcoin to, uh, you know, five Ethereum, my conversions there are not right. Um, but you, you go from one to another. How do I know at what price? Um, well, in, in those circumstances, you often just have to do your best. And there are uh, price points that you could basically determine at almost every second. Um, so use an exchange or, or use the average of a number of different exchanges to determine a price at a certain time. And in your Excel spreadsheet, record that price. Most exchanges, though, do keep transaction data. So all the big ones do have transaction history uh, that you could export. And a good suggestion I have for everyone is download all your transaction history and do so regularly. Um, because I've heard many times where people were locked out of exchanges, lost data, whatever the story may be. So download the data, have it so you can uh, use it in the future. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting problem, right? Because like a lot of times people are like, all right, Indy, or, or what if you have, what if you are like, I have my Bitcoin and I'm buying stellar lumens with my Bitcoin. I'm literally making a transaction with Bitcoin. Are they're, they're, they're assuming that that's just the same as you selling the Bitcoin and then buying Stellar Lumens? Correct. It's the same as you sold it for cash uh, and then bought the Stellar Lumens with that cash. Now, is that kind of an archaic kind of approach? They're just like tacking on what they do with the stock market here. That's going to apply because this is a new world and I don't think maybe they fully understand the nature of how this world works. Yeah, yeah. And that's a, that's a great point, right? Um, we're trying to apply old laws, old rules to a new technology. And looking to stocks, stocks are treated uh, much in the same way. If you wanted to go from IBM to Google, that's a taxable event. You've got to sell your IBM and go to Google and then buy Google uh, with your cash. Mm -hmm. um, it's not as if you can swap one to the other. And, and similarly too, Ethereum and Stellar, it's almost as if one is IBM and the other is Google. They're just different, different products, different mm. uh, stocks. Even though um, they're not technically securities. Well, uh, Ethereum, the SEC has, has recently said that uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum, um, correct, are not securities. But right, as, as far as other ones go, it's, it's hard to say. But the IRS has said that it's property. And in general, when you go from one piece of property to another, or one type of property, and I'm not talking about real estate, I just mean any physical property. When you exchange one uh, type of property for another, that's a taxable transaction. And actually, U.S. Congress had the opportunity recently uh, on the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act uh, that was passed at the end of last year to change this. 
um, because there's something called a like kind exchange. Mm -hmm. And most commonly, this is used in real estate when you're going from one piece of property to, uh, and I'm talking again now, real property, uh, apartments to, uh, to another apartment, uh, one house to another house. So the idea of a exchange does exist in property. And there used to be some debate uh, across practitioners in the crypto world if like-kind exchanges apply to crypto. So much like you can go from one apartment to another without a taxable event, can the same idea apply to crypto? Um, and this debate was happening uh, a lot in 2017 and earlier years. Well, Congress uh, actually, uh, as part of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, they said, no, uh, going forward in 2018 forward, the only type of like kind exchanges that will be allowed have to do with real, real property, real estate property. So Congress, when given the opportunity to potentially say, hey, look, crypto can fall under this exception, actually went the absolute opposite way. And they said, no, definitely not. It has to be real estate. And that's because they don't understand it, right? I don't think that they they get what they're entering into here. And I did, you know, 2017 was the first year that I did crypto and I did pay my crypto taxes. And but I know that, you know, the the data on the number of people who are actually reporting crypto gains is it's got to be a really, really small number. Yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, IRS did release some figures. I think it was back to 20 is either 2015 or 2016 but yeah a surprisingly small number of people uh in those years had reported crypto transactions i expect more and more to be um and i hope more and more to be um because the irs uh is going to be stepping up its enforcement more yeah. audits in this type of area it sounds though like they're going to have a really hard time i mean there's other cpas i've spoken with they're like ah don't worry about it i'm like really that's your professional advice <laughs> and yeah so i mean and it's going to come back to those cpas then right cuz uh, if somebody's going to get audited go to the cpa and they'll be like well you told me not to worry about it i need to be worrying yeah, and actually, as crazy as it sounds, it generally falls on the taxpayer, not the CPA. Now, the, the, the person could go complain to their CPA that they gave them bad advice, but the IRS would say that the taxpayer generally has the requirement to do everything properly, regardless if they got that bad advice or not. Or, or you know, the don't worry about it, uh, that's just not good advice. And we, we know, for instance, that Coinbase... Uh, Gemini, GDAX, the U.S. exchanges are reporting a lot of information to the IRS. Well, what do we think the IRS is going to do with this information? Mm -hmm. They're likely not just going to sit on it. If someone's not reporting crypto on their returns, they're likely going to audit or assess taxes to people mm -hmm. that aren't reporting. What so about the problem? My question about the problem is that a lot of these you know, tax professionals, they don't understand crypto at all. And so there's a lack of education, I think. And you are on the cutting edge, really, of this, because there's not a lot of people like you who are an attorney and a CPA and understands crypto, right? Most yeah. CPAs think crypto is either a fad, they don't understand it, it's technological, they're old school, they don't even want to get into it. And so there's a lack of education in that space. And thus, there's going to be a lot of people who aren't necessarily prepared with their taxes because there's just not that good advice out there yet. So how, how do people, and then, and then the, and then if you say, well, the IRS is, well, they expect you to figure it out. Well, right. if they're trusted professionals 
can't figure it out, then how are they supposed to figure it out? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I hate to say it, but if uh, your CPA doesn't know what crypto is, well, then maybe you need to go to a new one um, if you're trading in crypto. But that's probably the majority of them. I, I mean, I, I guess I would have to take a survey to find out, but I have a hunch that the, the, those that understand it in the way you do are in the minority. Yeah, no, I, I, would, I would certainly agree. But I think as time passes, more and more will become familiar with it, just as the public is becoming more familiar with crypto as, as well. But yeah, you know, I, I tend to agree. It's, it's unfortunate, but that seems to be the situation. Oh my gosh, this is getting so serious. Travis, how many lawyers does it take to screw in a light bulb? How many lawyers does it take to screw in a light bulb? Yep, uh, three. I'm not sure. It's three. You should know that. One to climb the ladder, one to shake it, and one to sue the ladder company. <laughs> and, then, and then probably another one to do the billing. Uh, what's the difference between a lawyer and a prostitute? I'm not sure. They both screw you. Yeah, but the prostitute will stop when you're dead. Oh, nice. And I have a question. I have a question for you. Now, so the IRS, they say crypto's property. The SEC is trying to make it be that crypto is a security. The CFTC is like, no, it's mostly a com- it's probably a commodity. Like, who do you think is going to win out in that? Right? Because right now it's like, there's all three different people trying to claim it really right now. It falls under the, you know, the property thing, but there's, there's uh, definitely arguments of, of, around those other ones. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think ultimately they're probably all going to win and it's, <laughs> it's going to be all three. <laughs> right. Because uh, a security is a subset of property as is a, a commodity. So the IRS was able to say very generally in 2014, and it was back in 2014 when the IRS said that crypto is property. We're going to use one of the more general terms. We're going to call it property. We're not going to call it a security. We're just going to say it's property. And then from there, more recently than the SEC seemed to narrow that down and say, well, some are securities and some are not, which is a subset of property. So, you know, I, I think in time, the definitions are going to be adopted across agencies. For instance, the IRS has yet to say that crypto is a security. And so I think in time, they're going to adopt the same guidelines as the SEC, where some crypto is a security and some is not. But, you know, I I think it'll just take time overall. So, you know, one of the problems, at least problems for those of us in the U.S. that would like to invest in ICOs is it's uh, currently against the law for you to invest in ICO unless you are an accredited investor. You know, all over the world, people can invest in ICOs and do what they want with their own money. But, you know, what do you think of, um, you know, where this is headed here in the U.S. and where do you think it's going? Sure. So, you know, um, in the last few years and especially in 2017, as everything was peaking, we were seeing a lot of ICOs emerging. Candidly, it was kind of like the Wild West initially. Um, ICOs were testing whether or not um, the investors were in the U.S. or accredited or not. It was just anyone could invest. Um, And over time, and especially in 2018, we've seen more and more ICOs do things legally and uh, on a more compliant path, where under the laws, uh, in order to have most types of offerings, there's all different types of offerings that you could do, um, but if you're trying to raise uh, substantial sums in the order of millions, often you have to limit the investors in the U.S. to accredited investors, meaning that they have a certain amount of income or net worth before they're allowed to invest. 
And this is required outside of crypto as well, in just investments and securities in general. Now, a lot of people are upset with this because, as you said, people in other countries could invest in these ICOs. So why not all U.S. persons? From the government's perspective, I think they're trying to protect much of the scenarios that we saw in 17, where people were just investing in uh, in all sorts of ICOs that really didn't have any merit or business behind it. And there was no test as to whether or not they could afford to invest. Uh, I remember seeing uh, uh, images back in 17 or news stories of people getting mortgages to buy crypto. And, and yeah. so have, having you know the rules towards accredited investors you know, in some ways makes sense uh, when you have people getting mortgages to buy crypto, which is not a good idea. Well, it's not a good idea, but then again, it's, it's one of those things where if, and, and, the, and it's already happening, if, you know, they overregulate, you know, and, and only allow certain people to participate in these ICOs, then these ICOs aren't even, they're not even going to build their company in America. They're going to go take their company to another country because America's, it's literally, we're having these conversations like, yeah, it's available everywhere except China and the United States. It's like, Really, like we're like we're the the bane of the universe here with this, and yeah. a lot of these companies are leaving America, and a lot of the great innovation in this next wave of technology. And Joel is a futurist. I've talked a lot about marketing technology in my day job, and you know, a lot of this innovation is leaving America. It won't come back. It's going to be gone. It's just it's this borderless sort of world that we're moving into. It's going yeah. to Malta and Gibraltar and Bermuda. Yeah. Yep. And the Cayman Islands and Switzerland and Singapore, and they're leaving America. And I don't think that they realize that, that, hey, look, you're going to put this clamp down on this. And guess what? A lot of innovation is going to leave. We're not going to be the Silicon Valleys of the world in this next decade because of how rapidly innovation is leaving America. That's been my stance on on watching this, this sort of progress. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I, I think there's definitely room to make it more appealing for for the you know crypto companies, blockchain companies to establish themselves in the U.S. And you're absolutely right; a lot of them are looking outside of the U.S. because countries have come forward, Malta, Cayman Islands, and said, "Hey, we're going to be generally friendly to these technologies. We're going to have laws and regulations that support it." For instance, in the U.S., um, I, I hear all the time that it's difficult to obtain banking for crypto or blockchain companies. That's pretty surprising to me at, the, at this stage that it's even difficult to get banking. So, you know, I, I think the U.S. does have uh, some room to go in, in making it more attractive for these businesses to be here. And I agree. I, I think, though, too, and this is the answer that you guys hate, which is time. And the U.S. is being a little, or I shouldn't say a little, is being slow on adopting these types of regulations. Um, but I hope as this technology continues to prove itself, uh, U.S. lawmakers will become more open to it. Do you think that's one reason why um, the, the people that aren't claiming crypto on their taxes, they're like, you know what, we're going to wait for this to shake out uh, because we feel like what if they then, you know, say here in the future, uh, crypto to crypto is not taxable and people pay taxes on it. Uh, you know, I'm as a public figure here, I'm doing what I feel I need to do in order to, you know, pay what I need to pay. Um, you know, but there's people that are going to face audits because they're not paying anything. And it might turn out that the law is interpreted differently. And maybe they didn't owe, maybe I didn't owe what, you know, in the future, maybe I shouldn't have paid what I paid. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's, 
I would say it's a fair statement, um, but it becomes less credible as the years go on. Now, oh, again, Congress eight months ago, 10 months ago, had the opportunity to address uh, crypto to crypto exchanges. And they said, no, absolutely not. It's taxable. So is that going to change in the short term? I don't think so. And if it is, it's likely would be just towards the future. Mm. Um, What's weird is you have all of these people that it was like 0.0 or 0.7% of people or whatever had, had claimed crypto on their taxes. And so if their previous laws aren't working and nobody's abiding by them, that's going to fill up either they're going to fill up a whole lot of jail cells or they're going to need to sort of evolve their laws. What, what do you think? Yeah. So um, your, your listeners and you guys are going to hate me for saying this, but um, my hypothesis is in the next two years, there's going to be a criminal indictment. So criminal charges filed against someone for crypto tax evasion. So someone's going to go to jail for not filing crypto on their tax return. And I feel pretty strongly about this. And I, you're, I, you're talking about somebody, I mean, just all out evading. Uh, you're not talking about, oh, uh, you know, okay, so this one, you know, they're paying taxes, but maybe it comes out that something was taxable that they correct. didn't pick up on. Correct. Correct. And that's a good point, too. And, you know, a lot of people say it's, you know, I've got thousands of transactions. I've lost data. I, I, it's just not practical. Well, you could get pretty darn close. You know, we can get 90, 95% of the way there. And then, you know, if you were to be audited, candidly, I see very little risk. Um, and um, likely, too, I think the people that are reporting the pages and pages of transactions are, are at a much less risk of being audited than those that don't report anything at all. Yet Coinbase turned over data that showed they had crypto transactions. So I think those are going to be the first people, the easy targets of the IRS, the people that are doing the best they can, taking the steps to report. Just based on my experience in IRS audits, the auditors don't want to sit there going through pages and pages of transactions to identify the missing one or two. They're going to start with the people that aren't reporting at all. I feel like, you know, the lawyer jokes are funny, but we're talking <laughs> accounting so much. So if an accountant's wife can't sleep, what does she say? She says, Honey, tell me about your work. Oh, yeah. That'll put you right to sleep. Yeah. Where do homeless accountants live? They don't have a home. In a tax shelter. Come on. Oh, very good. <laughs> very, good. very good. So so it's, it's an interesting space. It's evolving. Uh, we're getting more clarity on this. And uh, I would maybe ask then just, you know, what are some what are some words of advice that uh, anybody who comes to you and talks to about crypto they're doing crypto you know what do you how do you set them up what do you do what what are some advice to kind of get them going on the right path I know yeah, what he's yeah. going to say he's going to say pay your taxes <laughs> he's say do your due diligence and pay your taxes right 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 but th there are things that you could do to really minimize your taxes and I'm not talking about those exotic things that people are peddling all over the internet crypto IRAs which there's there's some opportunity for but generally not worth it th there are some tax planning things that you can do and so having good record keeping knowing what you're holding and what your cost basis is of what you're holding is very important so that way you can choose what to sell you know, should you sell Litecoin or Bitcoin today may depend on when you bought one versus the other. For example, if you hold crypto longer than a year, you could cut your tax rate 
in about half if you hold crypto for longer than a year. So knowing how long you held whatever it is that's in your portfolio will allow you to make better decisions. Hmm. Um, Let me ask you a question on this because right? you just peaked a question for me. Yeah. So let's say I bought Litecoin at 200 and I sold it at 80. I lost a whole lot of money on that deal. Now, is that how, how does that affect affect me on my taxes? Like now I have $80 that I got to pay 20% on or 30% on or whatever it is, sure. uh, even though that I've lost $120 off of the value from what I bought it at. So you only pay taxes on gains, not any losses. So just because you sold doesn't mean that you necessarily owe a tax. You will have to report it on your tax return that you had a sale, but it doesn't mean that you owe. You only owe if there's a gain. So in your situation where you lost you know, $120, that would be a loss that you could use against any other gains you have. So say next week, then you sold uh, other or uh, some Bitcoin you had and you had a gain you could use that loss to offset that gain. Got it. That makes sense. So record keeping is one of the most important things uh, that I think that people should do. Um, A question I'm often asked is whether or not to form an LLC from a tax perspective often doesn't make a difference, but from a record keeping and keeping you organized, it may be worth it. I would say those are are the most common things. Um, Also, being able to segregate or separate your holdings, for example, across multiple wallets. Um, if you have a, a lot of Bitcoin, but you bought it at all different prices, put the Bitcoin in separate wallets uh, based on the value of when you bought it at. For example, this wallet holds my Bitcoin that I bought around 5000 This holds my Bitcoin I bought around 6000 7000 8000 so on. That way, when you sell, you can specifically identify certain crypto that you want to sell and minimize your tax that way. So you may, for instance, want to sell crypto that you bought at a higher price to minimize your tax or at a lower price to pay more tax at a given time. Maybe oh, what man. if you're getting paid in crypto? Yeah. Paid let, me crypto. Ask that, let me ask that question. Getting paid in crypto, maybe you know Bitcoin or Ethereum versus getting paid in some of these utility tokens that may or, not, may, or may not be worth anything at all. Yeah. So um, whenever you're paid in, in crypto, um, it's income to you at the time you received it at the value of that crypto. So I, uh, you pay me some Bitcoin today to do work. I have to pay tax on whatever the value is today of that Bitcoin, even if I don't convert it to cash, even if I don't sell it to cash. So, so even if it's worth $20,000 when you got paid it and you got 0.1 Bitcoin and it was, you got, they paid you two grand and it was worth $20,000 at the time. And now you got, and now it's worth $7,000. You've lost money on that. Well, you'd, you'd have to sell it and take the loss against the, the game. So if you hold it, if you hold it, you, what if you just hold it? You don't pay on it yet? Um, correct. If you hold it. Well, I'm sorry. So when you, as soon as you receive it, you've got income and you have tax on that income. So say you get paid $10,000 in Bitcoin and you're holding it in Bitcoin, you owe tax on $10,000. Then two weeks later, you sell that Bitcoin and you sell it at a loss. Now you do have a loss, but you already paid. You also have that tax on that income. What a mess. They're going to be cleaning <laughs> this up for, uh, for years. <laughs> so the moral of the story is pay your taxes and uh, if you want to participate in ICOs, get a lot of money so you're qualified. Yeah, I, I think that's, <laughs> that's a good closing. Huh. 
Uh, Andrew Gordon, Gordon Law website, gordonlawltd.com. We'll also link to his Twitter in the show notes. And uh, uh, Andrew, appreciate you coming on here today and sharing uh, your, your wisdom with us. How can a pregnant woman tell that she's carrying a future lawyer? Well, she's got an uncontrollable craving for baloney. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. Appreciate you. And Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you didn't like that, did you? you didn't like I didn't it. like it at all. <laughs> oh, my. We didn't ask oh. about him. Like We didn't ask about like setting up a crypto trust or something. I mean, is that even something that can be done? Who knows? I trust the cryptos. You trust the cryptos, but can you create a crypto, a crypto, crypto crust? A trip. <laughs> <laughs> crypto crust pizza. <laughs> yeah. Crypto crypto crust. Mm. I'm on a Bitcoin pizza with crypto crust. <laughs> oh my gosh, they should do that. We should like have a party sometime where we just order pepperoni pizzas, but the pepperoni is just shaped in a B. And uh that'll be good. Pepperoni B. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. Well, hey, hope you guys learned something today. We did. And there's still, as far as I'm concerned, there's still a lot of questions. Uh, be, and, and the questions don't go along, what is the law right now? What is the tax code right now? The questions are, how are they going to deal with you know implementing this? Because uh, crypto is just, it's a mess. I mean, it is. There's so many different intricate things. I mean, especially if you're doing some trading and you're like, like, you know, oh, I'm going to buy some lumens with my Ethereum. And now really it's like I had to sell my Ethereum to buy the lumens or whatever. It's just that's convoluted. Hopefully uh, they start understanding a little bit more and actually fixing the code and fixing that because, you know what, I've known a ton of people who are doing trading that have moved to Puerto Rico. Right. They're like, okay, well, I'm not going to deal with it. And then why does Puerto Rico only have a 4% tax thing? That's, that doesn't seem fair to anybody else, but it's just interesting. Hopefully it all gets figured out. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of, you know, great folks there in the IRS who are trying to figure it out. And it's a confusing space. Could you imagine like how long it would take each individual person? Like if they're going after, you know, people who are doing a lot of crypto trading, like the, just the, the, you know, keeping track of it. All. That's why I don't do a whole lot of trading. If, if I'm doing one, it's a pretty smart one. I'm not, I'm not, I mean, cause like, I'd really like this to be clarified better before I start going on full on trading. Like I would like to. Yeah. I, that's why I'm a hodler, like hodl like crazy. And if I do sell something, I run it through GDAX and, and pull it right into my uh, bank account. That way, everything that I've sold, um, you know, is, is really clear. And you know, that GDAX reports to the IRS. So our numbers are, you know, they're going to match and, uh, but I guess anyway. the only place that I pulled any money out from as well as the Coinbase or GDAX is really, you don't really have a whole lot of, you don't really have a whole lot of options of where you can pull out. Hoddle. I hoddle. Crypto goes up. Crypto goes down. And it's going up. I mean, we just passed a pretty interesting time here. It hit, hit over 8,000 recently. And by the time this goes live, who knows how much it could be. It looks like it could be on a nice little bull run. So a hopefully the mojo dollars. keeps going. 
Our mojo is rising. And we appreciate all of you. Please, if you would, do us a favor and take a moment to subscribe and review the show on whatever platform you're on. That is, that is so important to the algorithms, to the platforms that you listen on. And so uh, that helps let other people know that, hey, this is something that we enjoy listening to. So would you, would you do that for us? Please? Yes, and, gra- and grab your friend's phone and just subscribe and say, you're going to listen to these guys and learn about the cryptos before I'm super rich and you're broke. Mm. It's the only way in this day and age of so much regulation and taxes to truly stay back. The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.